it's time for the January 5, 2024 edition of Weekly Signals Weekly Review. A personal recollection of the last 168 hours of history broadcasting on National Bird Day from the University of California at Irvine on KUCI 88.9 FM. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Caspar. And as always, characterized by his large beak and head, long spindly legs, flamboyant crest, and blue plumage, Mahler, the fake news dog. He's looking, he's looking exceptionally plumaged today. Yep. Yeah. Today? Today. By the way, we'll be talking about marine mass extinction, a virtual sexual assault, Chief Justice John Roberts' year-end report, Mickey ears, and so much more. But first, laws. We got laws. We got new laws. We got laws. We, you want laws, uh, we got laws. A, a week ago, yeah. we didn't have these laws. Now we got new laws. Hundreds of new laws took effect in California on January 1. California now has an official state bat. Okay. That was a law that was passed. It's a pallid bat. Okay. In case you're wondering, thanks to one new law and an official state mushroom. Oh. The golden chanterelle, thanks to another law. Assembly Bill 1033 allows Californians to buy and sell an accessory dwelling unit. This would be like your granny flat. And we can sell and buy those like a condominium now. That means property owners can construct an accessory dwelling unit on their land and sell it separately following the same rules that apply to condos. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good deal. What they're trying to do is address the housing problem yeah. right now. And But like condos, you don't own the land. Exactly, but you got some place yeah. to stay. Yeah, yeah no, no, it yeah. sounds good. But generate. They some don't income. need to go through any sort of rezoning or anything like that. Mm. At the risk of sounding like the get off my lawn, lawn guy, we here in California love people, as you can tell. We have over thirty million people here, but at some point, and I'm not going to say we, you know, shut down the borders or anything, but at some point. There'll be too many people for the resources that we have available here in California. I don't know what that number is, but I think we're getting closer. Under Senate Bill 616, workers will get at least five sick days, an increase from the earlier minimum of three paid six di sick days. So that's a good one. Mm -hmm. Two more sick days. Yeah. Under Senate Bill 848, companies with at least five employees will have to allow workers to take at least five days off to grieve a reproductive loss. The term reproductive loss event is what they call it in the, in the bill, is defined to mean a failed adoption, failed surrogacy, miscarriage, stillbirth, or unsuccessful assisted reproduction like in vitro fertilization and intrauterine insemination. Okay. Workers can take up to 20 days off per year for reproductive bereavement leave. That's a lot of bereavement. wonder if that'll be abused. I can just hear the chattering on Fox News about people getting abortions so they get five days off. Yeah. Well, the one I'm worrying about is miscarriage. At what point is it a miscarriage where you really need 20 days of bereavement? Right. Because sometimes it's like sneezing. I'm yeah, not trying to minimize what can happen when somebody has a miscarriage, yeah. but sometimes it's it's not as big yeah. of a deal as other times, and I, I wonder if they have any sort of uh, line of demarcation. I imagine they do. 
Under Senate Bill 700, employers cannot ask workers or job applicants about their prior cannabis use and any information they may glean about marijuana use from an applicant's criminal record can't be used to discriminate against them. Under Assembly Bill 2188, employers can't discriminate against workers for using cannabis while off-duty and away from work. The law does not apply to federal contractors or the construction business. Assembly Bill 446 requires that handwriting instruction in elementary schools include cursive, a skill that has fallen out of practice among a generation growing up typing on cell phones and laptops. Well... Okay. I think it's a hand skill. That's what there they're you saying. Go. It's That's eye a, hand yeah. coordination exactly. type of thing. It's good for your it's, brain. It's not like you you know, you need to take this forever. It's not gonna last forever, but right. it, it it helps your hands. It helps your and the brain yeah. has to translate and all the of brain. that. <laughs> and the brain. <laughs> your hands are good to have uh some you know, of us affected. more than others. Yeah, more than others. Assembly Bill 873 requires public school students to take media literacy courses to learn to identify fake news and discern legitimate news articles from paid advertising on the Internet. Yeah. This is a good idea. Yes. Theoretically. Yeah. In identifying fake news, the lessons will be incorporated in English language arts, mathematics, science history, and the social science curricula. So they're doing across the board there. That's pretty interesting. And yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. And as we mentioned last week under Assembly Bill 2773, police officers will have to tell drivers why they've been pulled over yeah. before questioning them. Meanwhile, a federal appeals court on New Year's Eve allowed California's Senate Bill 2, banning the carrying of firearms in most public places, to take effect on January 1st, 2024, halting a lower court judge's ruling that had blocked enforcement of Yay. the law. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. If you're using cannabis while off-duty, may I recommend a donation to KUCI because we are too. Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial-free, free-form, free-speech radio, KUCI 88.9 FM. From Science Daily. As reproduction becomes more difficult for wildflowers in an environment where pollinating insects are dying off, the plants themselves are evolving towards self-fertilization. Mm. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> and using their own pollen to fertilize their own seeds, a process called selfing. It sounds sounds kind of like a is that what the know, kids are calling a it? A selfie now? and yeah. a surfing. Yeah, surfing. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know you're selfing in there, John. <laughs> Cut it out. Selfing is more convenient than sex since a flower does not have to wait for a bee to drop by. Yeah. Yeah? I'll say it is. <laughs> this rapid evolution is thought to be due to the decline in pollinator populations in Europe because that's where the study was done. Mm -hmm. However, a selfing flower can use only its own genes to produce new seeds. Sexual reproduction allows flowers to mix their DNA, not the selfing thing, but the regular stuff. So they mix their DNA, creating new combinations that may make them better prepared for diseases, droughts, and other challenges the future generations may face. By comparing field daisies currently growing in the Paris region from pansies from the same localities resurrected in the laboratory from seeds collected between 1992 and 2001, the research team found that today's flowers are 10% smaller 
produce 20% less nectar, and are less visited by pollinators than their ancestors. A study conducted in Germany showed that over 75% of the biomass of flying insects has vanished from protected areas in the last 30 years. The study identified a vicious cycle in which the decline in pollinators leads to reduced nectar pollination by flowers, which could in turn exacerbate the decline of the insects. So insects decline, we decline yeah. is what happens there. And some of this also has to do not only with climate change, but also the, the insecticides that are being put into the ground, lysophate and others that are destroying our ecosystem. From New Scientist, aloe vera can be used to make a supercapacitor, a device that stores energy and is similar to a battery but discharges power faster. Wow. Aloe vera. Researchers in China have built a supercapacitor almost entirely from different parts of an aloe vera plant with no additional materials apart from a single gold wire. Wow. Yeah. Aloe vera. That stuff's good. It's great. Yeah, it's a good healer. It's well, a good, I, to, I yeah. drink it. The yeah. drink the aloe vera juice from, yeah, it's great. From Politico. Wow. A team of scientists developed a process to convert one of the world's most threatening planet-warming emissions, carbon dioxide, into a powdery, harmless fuel that could be converted into clean electricity. So we got powder power. Researchers at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology exposed CO2 to catalysts and then electrolysis that turns the gas into a powder called sodium formate, which can be safely stored for decades. Researchers have previously turned CO2 into fuels that require too much energy to make or were difficult to store long term. The MIT process gets closer to an ambitious dream turning captured CO2 into a feedstock for clean fuel that replaces conventional batteries and stores electricity for months or years. The team has also designed a refrigerator-sized fuel cell that uses a liquefied version of the stored power that could produce electricity for homes and nothing goes into the atmosphere. Pretty amazing. And there's so many projects like the one you just described that I'm reading about almost every day. The question is, how many of these things are going to be scaled up? How many of these things are going to be to a point where, and maybe it is multiple options moving forward, but at some point there's going to have to be a kind of industrialization of these technologies in a way that are feasible for all of us to use. And and it all will all depend on who wants to finance that. Are these things going to be strangled in the crib by the fossil fuel industry? Well, I think the trains left the station on that one. Okay. The money is going to alternative You're, energy sources. Yeah. Fossil fuel is dying out. They're just trying to squeeze every last dime out of it that yeah. they can right now. Yeah. That is the good news. More and more money is going into R&D for these kinds of things. More and more hedge funds are investing in these. The question is, how quickly can we move to these new new technologies? From MIT Technology Review, as sweltering ocean temperatures make graveyards of coral reefs across the Caribbean and beyond, a team of scientists is scrambling to cool corals down, way down, to minus 328 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow, that's cool. The Coral Biobank Alliance aims to cryopreserve or otherwise keep in captivity the roughly 1,000 species of reef-building corals on the planet. 
Coral reefs as an ecosystem are expected to go functionally extinct by 2035. Oh, my God. Functionally extinct. That is, oh, my God. The scientists hope to freeze enough coral sperm, larvae, and adult polyps, not just to support current conservation efforts like breeding heat-resistant corals, but to reboot reefs in the increasingly likely event of a marine mass extinction. At the same time, they're planning for a conservation program that may last for decades, even centuries, because the oceans may continue to warm for many generations, even in the event of decisive climate action. The scientists are also investigating the feasibility of storing coral and other animal tissues on permanently cool parts of the moon. If some disaster were to befall coral repositories on Earth, Samples tucked in lunar lava tubes or shady craters could last for centuries. So coral on the moon. Nathan, yeah. the fact that we're considering doing the things that you just articulated in that article, the fact that these are looming realities to enable us to survive, uh, is in and of itself a pretty harrowing window into the world we're heading towards. From Science Daily, the residents of False Creek, a recently developed neighborhood of Vancouver on the west coast of Canada, get their energy from an unusual renewable source, their sewage wastewater. Increasingly, municipalities around the globe are harnessing the underground form of excess heat as they decarbonize their energy networks. Heat in water is relatively easy to harness once it's in the sewage system because it's contained. And no, any heat recovered isn't going to smell. It's not like that. No. Uh, in addition, there's plenty of hot wastewater to work with. In 2020, experts at the London South Bank University estimated that energy from the UK's daily 16 billion liters of sewage wastewater could, in theory, provide more than 20 terawatt hours of heat energy annually enough to provide space heating and hot water to 1.6 million homes. Over in the U.S., you know that place. I do. Americans flush an estimated 350 terawatt hours of energy down the drain each year. That's 20 terawatt hours is what I mentioned in the U.K., yeah. 350 terawatt hours of energy each year in the U.S., <clears throat> the equivalent of heating 30 million homes a year. The False Creek heat recovery system operates at efficiencies of over 300%. So for every unit of electricity put in to run the heat pump, yeah. they get over three units of thermal energy of heat out of it. That's a good exchange That's there. a good exchange. In the U.S., water treatment plants eat up an estimated 30 to 40% of municipal electricity bills, according to a 2017 report by the Congressional Research Service. By harnessing sewage heat... Wastewater treatment plants could become energy producers rather than energy consumers. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us on the web at KUCI.org, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9, on our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com, and on Twitter and Instagram at KUCIF. M. Mm. Ah. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. <laughs> From the nation. You know that uh, radical left-wing uh -huh. rag? Yes. 
an opinion piece by Ellie Mistall. Oh, Ellie Mistall. I like him. I do too. Every year, Chief Justice John Roberts issues a year-end report about the state of the federal judiciary. This year, the court will decide whether people who try to overthrow the government can run for office again and whether the rule of law has any meaning when applied to a former president. Small things. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> Jesus. Did you ever think it would come to this? No. Let's just go back. I'm going to have my own personal long history of being alive and an American. Back when Richard Nixon was president, th- those times felt close to apocalyptic in the sense that he was an out-of-control president. He was doing a lot of crazy things, killing a lot of people in Vietnam. And that seemed really dire and horrible. Huh. Nixon is a, a blip on the radar compared yeah. to what we're looking at. Overthrowing the government and whether he's responsible for his actions regarding the law. Yeah. Given that the court will attempt to issue these rulings when its legitimacy is at an all-time low and the very integrity of the institution has been trashed by the justice's own scandalous behavior, you'd think something about judicial ethics might come up in Robert's year-end report. But instead, the chief justice devoted his report to musing about the future of AI and its impact on the federal judiciary. Now, of course, there are a whole bunch of legal issues surrounding AI, from the privacy concerns of facial recognition technology to the copyright concerns when AI rips other people off, to what rules and protections should be put in place to govern companies that use AI for decision-making purposes. Roberts, however, was not interested in addressing any of these legal concerns. Instead, he focused on whether AI would take his job. (laughs) We're already at a point where, with few exceptions, AI can generate a competent legal argument based on history and precedent for any proposition, and that is largely what lawyers do. Very soon we'll be able to plug in a set of facts into an application and the AI will be able to spit out what the right legal outcome should be. And that is largely what judges do. Yeah. Before the end of this decade, we'll likely see a defendant file an appeal based solely on AI disagreeing with the verdict of a trial judge or jury. Yeah. That's coming right up. Yeah. In his year-end report, Robert says confidently that AI will not replace judges. That's what everybody says right before it happens. Right before it happens. I would say I'd like to see AI replace the judges that have been appointed by Trump. Mm -hmm. Forget it. Many professional tennis tournaments, Robert said, including the U.S. Open, have replaced line judges with optical technology to determine whether 130 mile per hour serves are in or out. Mm. These decisions involve precision to the millimeter, and there's no discretion. The ball either did or did not hit the line. By contrast, legal determinations often involve gray areas that still require application of human judgment. Well, thanks for that, John. Yeah. Robert's invocation of the existence of gray areas as the reason humans are better suited to law than AI is BS because under the current court, any contested questions are likely to be resolved in whatever way most benefits Republicans, fundamentalists, Christians, or wealthy conservatives. Exactly. Bias. So it is a form of AI. You might as well feed it into the ultra-conservative Well, there's, there are, AI. and, and this is, these are issues that are being addressed right now as we speak about AI. The parameters by which AI makes decisions are oftentimes based on biased information. Right. People might prefer that impartial humans make these decisions rather than AI, 
But does anyone really think the Supreme Court majority is impartial? <laughs> it's not that we're against the application of human judgment. We're against the application of Harlan Crow's judgment. Yes. Why not just design a simple judicial application, call it a logarithm, if you will, and ask it, do laws apply to everybody, including presidents? And it would spit out the answer, yes, you fleshy idiots. <laughs> Only biased, illogical, corruptible humans could turn that question into a Supreme Court case. Yeah. There's a lot of people who are, don't want a decision to be made about Trump's complicity in the insurrection on January 6th. That uh, Supreme Court justice that the conservatives think is the bomb, this uh, Judge Ludic, said something very interesting this week, which I completely agree with. The decision that was made in the case of Colorado, the important distinction there was that Trump committed insurrection against the Constitution. That's the key. And he said, yeah. there's no doubt that an insurrection, an attempt to overthrow a legitimate election was perpetrated by Donald Trump against the Constitution, against the mechanisms by which we make that transition from one president to another to happen. And that is irrefutable. Meanwhile, that's a decision that AI could easily sum up. Too. Yeah, yeah. From BBC News. Police in the UK are investigating a virtual sexual assault of a girl's avatar. The virtual incident did not result in physical harm, but caused psychological trauma. The incident occurred in a virtual reality game. The impact of the attack on the girl's avatar was said to be heightened because of the immersive nature of the VR experience. The victim, under 16 at the time, suffered psychological trauma similar to that of someone who has been physically raped, according to the victim's spokesperson. Some argue that legal challenges may be necessary to ensure that those responsible for sexually motivated attacks on avatars in virtual worlds can be prosecuted and punished effectively. In criminal law, rape and sexual assault require there have been, a phys been physical contact. Yeah. Others suggest there may be existing laws, for example, against the creation of synthetic child abuse images. Now, this seems to be at least addressing the problem. Yeah. Because we're talking about what it is. They're images of someone being abused. Yeah. And it's you, in this case. Yeah. It's the person who is yeah. playing the game. These laws could be used as a basis of prosecutions in virtual world cases. If I create an avatar that isn't anything like me, I create an avatar of a woman and I make that my avatar and I, I'm sexually assaulted. If I were lowering this case, <laughs> I'd say sexually abused. Let's first define what that means. Yeah, that's Let's another. just define that and then let's compare that to what is happening in a virtual world. There are many things that are not happening in the virtual world that happen for real. Yeah. And that's where we have to make our distinction. I just, and we just can't automatically apply those laws to others. But here's something else for you to consider. In San Francisco right now, our robocars. Yeah. They cannot be ticketed. <laughs> now, if they have one of those safety drivers on board, then the safety driver is ticketed. In other words, the backup. Wow. But if, if it's just a, a robocar flying around the city at 80 miles an hour and there's nobody except the passenger... That car cannot be ticketed. Oh, my God. 
So it's it's where the responsibility lies for breaking certain laws yeah. and how you look at these new, uh, you want to call them inventions of ours, who don't have a conscience. How we punish that when yes. they break our laws. Mm. From Nature magazine, a bizarrely dense exoplanet located more than 500 light years from Earth is challenging scientists' understanding of how planets form. This astronomical body is the size of the ice giant Neptune, but nearly 10 times heavier, meaning it is denser than steel. Wow. That's one heck of a planet. Boy. It's impossible for a planet like this to have formed by classical planetary formation models, says the lead study author. Named TOI 1853b, the planet is also oddly close to its sun, and it rockets around the sun once every 1.24 days. Wow. Yeah. In other words, its year is 1.24 yeah. days long. Wow. In contrast, Mercury, the closest planet to our sun, has an 88-day year. Yeah. yeah. So this is 1.24 days. It's, it's moving. <laughs> the bigger mystery, though, is how TOI 1853b got so dense. Astronomers think planets usually form bottom-up, with grains of rock and dust in a whirling protoplanetary disk glomming onto one another in even larger clumps, eventually assembling one hefty core. When that core reaches a certain critical mass, a buildup of pressure begins pushing additional planet building material away, stifling further growth. TOI 1853b seems to have somehow shot right past this limit. It is twice the amount of solid material that researchers believe could accumulate into a single object. Wow. The astronomers propose two possibilities for this. First, the planet may have emerged from the collision of two pre-existing protoplanets, but these type of collisions are more likely to leave behind multiple planets than to result in a single large world. The second possibility is that TOI 1853b began as a gas giant about the mass of Jupiter before losing most of its atmosphere to an intense stellar radiation ending up as a stripped-down solid core. From the South China Morning Post, Most cats or dogs have naturally pointy and droopy or droopy ears. Mm -hmm. Like Molly, you know, he has uh, droopy ears. Yeah. <laughs> See yeah. how they flap up like that yeah, when he howls? Yeah. I was just going to tell That's you, Nathan, bother. he doesn't like to talk about that. But a disturbing new trend sweeping through China has pet owners ignoring common sense and their animals' physical and mental well-being. Some shady pet clinics will slice part of the animal ears off to achieve the Mickey Mouse look. Okay. They also prop them up, too. They make them stiff and look like yeah, Mickey. Mickey. There are also a variety of special clamps available online for pet owners to perform the procedure themselves. Oh my god. Recent coverage of the bizarre trend sparked controversy online with most of the general public urging authorities to ban the Mickey ears procedure and punish those who would cut their animals purely for cosmetic purposes. And finally, from the Kiev Post, Apparently in need of additional funding, Russia's security service, the FSB, released its 2024 fundraising calendar. Next thing you know, they'll be having a bake sale. <laughs> 
The front cover features deep fake art of an improbably ripped Vladimir Putin giving his best overcompensating male stare <laughs> while leaning on a big black phallic Humvee. <laughs> Meanwhile, FSB's November calendar page depicts an FSB Special Forces soldier <laughs> standing in front of the U.S. Capitol while drones and helicopters attack the dome. <laughs> You can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review Podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.